0: In your Bibles to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. And we're going to pick up in verse number 32. And uh, what we're going to be looking at this this morning is uh, a thought here about the thieves' last request. And we'll learn more about this uh, throughout this morning's message. But uh, if you go to Luke chapter 23. We'll pick up here in verse number 32. And uh, so go ahead and read along with me. And there were also two other malefactors led with him to be put to death. When they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the malefactors, one on the right hand and uh, and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer, and we'll get right into this morning's message. Father, we do thank you again, Lord, for your grace. And this morning we're going to see some of that grace. Lord, uh, this thief did not deserve to be forgiven. And uh, Father, we're going to look and, and we're going to investigate this man's life and just exactly what happened, the change of his heart. And Lord, I just ask that you speak to hearts this morning. And again, Lord, I do thank you for every single person who is here this, this morning. And I just ask, Lord, that um, if there is someone who's not saved, they're not sure if uh, they would die and go to heaven, uh, Lord, that they would, they would get that settled this morning. Um, Lord, I just pray that you would just speak to their heart. And Father, we do thank you again. Uh, For your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, so in this portion of Scripture as we're reading about, uh, it's the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Uh, This is the pinnacle uh, moment for why Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, came to earth. Yet during this important time, Jesus was not alone when he was crucified, as we read. He was crucified with two other men, one on his left hand and one on his right side. Uh, Luke is the only writer who uh, reveals in depth about what happened between Jesus and the men that were crucified with Him, uh, the actual conversations that they had. The Holy Spirit revealed what happened there at the cross so that we can learn and understand the significance of how it applies to us today. And often when, you, uh, when a person is, is looking at the end of their life and that they know that they're going to die, their last request is usually the most important matter that's on their heart. Uh, for example, for Queen Elizabeth I, her last request before she died was to make King James VI of Scotland the King of England after her death. During her during her last uh, uh, few years, there was three potential people who would be uh, king after she died. She didn't have an, an heir, and uh, and so. Um, they didn't know who it was going to be that would be the king. And on her dying, uh, on her deathbed, her very last words were to make King James her successor, uh, who, who would become King James I. This would be an important factor in God's plan for making His word accessible and understandable to the common English-speaking person during King James's day and the future generations. That last request... Paved the way for us to have our King James Bible in our hands today. That's how important that last request was. Because had somebody else been been made king, we may not have have God's uh, word in English like we have it today. We don't know, uh, but King James, God used him to bring together men from all over the, the uh, all over England, brilliant men, and they put together the the King James Bible, and uh, so. That last request was a very important request, wasn't it? Because we, wouldn't, we may not have God's word for us today if she not had made that request. So this man that we see here, this thief, he made one last request. We're going to look at that here in a little bit. God revealed it, and it was one of great importance. And we're going to learn more about this last request. So before we get to learn more about that, though, we need to learn About who these men were. First of all, uh, Scripture does not tell us a great deal about who uh, these men are. You know, God doesn't even reveal their names. Uh, We have no no idea who they are. All we know is that there's two men that were crucified with Christ. Uh, Look at verse number 32. Verse number 32 tells us a little bit about these men. Verse 32 says, And there were also two other malefactors led with, with him to be put to death. And so Luke calls them malefactors. Now, we don't really use that word uh, oftentimes today when we describe someone. But a malefactor was someone who violated the law, someone who committed a crime that required a public prosecution and punishment. So in other words, these two men were criminals. Uh, they they had broken the law. They they had to be punished publicly because of their crime. Uh, just go to hold your place here because we're going to be here quite a bit uh, to this this morning. But go to, to Mark chapter fifteen and verse number twenty seven. We're gonna, we're going to see what kind of criminals these men were. Mark chapter 15, verse number 27. And with him they crucify two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. Turn with me also to Matthew 27. One book to the left. Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 38. Matthew also writes here, then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. So they reveal what kind of criminals they were. They were thieves. Now, we don't know um, what they were caught for. We don't know the, the situations that, that, that happened to why these two men were to be crucified. Obviously, it was a pretty bad crime. You know, it wasn't just stealing an apple from a, a cart or something like that. These men, maybe they were habitual thieves, maybe they, they, you know, they were uh, thieves who uh, constantly were, were stealing, constantly were, were getting into trouble, so to speak, and finally Pilate had enough. Uh, we don't know, um, but perhaps these thieves, they, they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. We really don't know. God doesn't reveal a lot about what they were caught for. He just reveals that they were thieves. They had stolen something. Uh, Turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah chapter uh, 53. These two men were actually prophesied about by Isaiah 700 years before this event was going to happen. Isaiah 53, verse number 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. Talking about the Messiah. Talking about the, uh, the Savior that was going to be coming. And so here Isaiah is prophesying this. He said, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. So 700 years before this event was ever going to happen, Isaiah prophesied about it. God gave him the prophecy that this was going to happen, that Jesus was going to be crucified between two transgressors. Um, But does this mean that God condemned these men to death before they were ever even born? No, it does not. God is omniscient, meaning that He knows everything from before creation until the end. He knows every potential path every person's life can take based upon the decisions that they make of their own free will. These men were not condemned to die from birth that they were, they were going to be forced into being killed on the cross. God doesn't work that way. They made decisions and choices throughout their life that put them in that position. God just knew that, that, they, might, that they, they would make those decisions. He knows every single path that every decision is going to be made. He knows every single path and decision that you're going to make. He knows your future better than you know your own future. You've got dreams, you've got desires, you, you have uh, wishes that, that are in your heart that you want to happen in your life. God knows every single one of those. And He knows what the end path of your life will be depending on whatever decisions you make. He knows it all. And so these men, even though they were uh, prophesied 700 years ago, Had they made different decisions, it would have been different people that would have been crucified with him. But they didn't. They made the wrong decisions. They were in the wrong place. They did the wrong thing. And because of that, this prophecy was fulfilled completely. Uh, So these men, they were not forced to, you know, God didn't, you know, make them become thieves. It was their own choices. It was their own free will. They didn't have to become thieves. They didn't have to live a life of thievery. But in the end, they are the ones who made the wrong decisions and ended up where God said that they would be. Because God already knew that ahead of time. And that's what they would do. Though they were both condemned to die a brutal, physical death, this was not the end of their existence. Even though they were crucified on that cross and they were going to die that day, that wasn't the end. Before we get there, let's look at this last request. When the thief was first crucified, he also railed upon and he mocked Jesus. But the the cool thing is is that he then had a change of heart, unlike the other one. Turn with me, if you would, to, to Matthew chapter 27. In verse number forty-four. Actually, let's go back up to verse number uh, thirty-eight, Matthew twenty-seven thirty-eight. Matthew writes here: Then were there uh, were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the left hand and the other on the or one on the right hand and the other on the left. And they that passed by reviled Him, wagging their heads, meaning they were mocking Him. They were, they, were just be, they were saying vicious things to Christ as He was hanging on that cross. I mean, He was already he was, he was defenseless. I mean, there was nothing He could do, and yet people were still mocking Him and, and, and uh, just saying some very wicked and, and spiteful things. That's what it means by wagging their head. And um, they were just very wicked in what they were saying. Verse 40 says in saying thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in 3 days save thyself if thou be the son of god come down from the cross likewise also the chief priests mocking him and the scribes and the elders said he saved others himself he cannot save if he be the king of israel let him come, uh, now come down from the cross and we will believe him he trusted in god let him deliver him now if he will have him for he said, I am the Son of God. And look at verse number 44. The thieves also, which were crucified him, cast the same in his teeth. Meaning they, they were, even, even the guys on the side of him were also mocking him and reviling him and laughing and, and, and making a sport of him. Look at Mark chapter 15. Go to Mark chapter 15. Look at verse number uh, 27. Mark here, he says, And with him they crucify two thieves, the one on the right hand and the other on the left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, and he was numbered with the transgressors. So Mark here is tying uh, Isaiah's prophecy and showing us that it was a fulfillment of prophecy. Verse number 29 says, And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking, said among themselves with the scribes, He saved others, himself he cannot save. And look at verse number 32. And Christ the King of Israel, uh, let Christ the King of Israel descend now on the cross, that we may see and believe, and they that were crucified with him reviled him. So even on the cross, he didn't have peace from the accusations and the revilement. But sadly, it is when people are looking death in the face that they realize how wrong they were about their viewpoints of God and the value of life. Perhaps this is the case of why one of the thieves decided to repent of what they were saying and ask forgiveness from Christ. Look at uh, Luke chapter 23 again. Back to Luke chapter 23, verse number 39. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God? seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he saith unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Take a look at these, the condition of these two men's hearts. We see here in verse number 39, uh, the first man, his his heart was full of skepticism and doubt. He did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior. He wanted Jesus to prove to him that he was the Messiah. Look at it, verse number 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. Isn't that how most of the world today says, Oh, if, you're, if God is there, why don't you prove yourself that you're there? If, God, if there really is a God, do some kind of miracle that, so that, that I'll believe and that I'll, uh, that I'll understand that there is a God. This is the, the same thing with this man here. He said, if you really are Christ, if you're really the Savior, why don't you get off the cross and, and get us out of here too? Then, then I'll believe that you're actually the Messiah, but you have to prove yourself to me. And sadly, that's how a lot of the world is today. They're looking for God to somehow prove Himself that He exists. My friend, He doesn't have to prove He, he exists. The resurrection of Jesus Christ should be an example that He does exist. And, uh, and so this man, was, as he was looking at Christ on that cross, he was mocking Him, he was reviling Him. And sometime before that, when, uh, when the, the, the second thief, when he was, when he was also saying the, the same things, I think it finally... Started it to click in his head. He's like, "What if? What if this is true? What if what these priests are saying, and what if the things that I have just said, if Jesus, if, if Christ, actually, if He is the actual Son of God, I've made a, I've made a serious mistake. The things that I have just said to Jesus, man, I I, I don't I, I wish I could have re, re, took those back. Now, there might be some people in here." Before you were saved, you said some pretty wicked and awful things about God. I mean you might have been the ones who say, who mocked Christians, who said, oh, there goes those Bible thumpers, those, those goes are the Holy Joe's or whatever, whatever way you want to call them. I was that way before I got saved. I didn't understand why people wanted to read the Bible. I didn't understand why they wanted to come to church and things like that. and so before I got saved, I was I would, would be considered those who mocked Christians, those who, who Made fun of them, you know? Uh, Didn't take what they were saying seriously. But after I realized how greatly I was wrong, how I finally realized that, you know what, this is the only hope I have for salvation, that the Bible is God's Word, that the Bible is true, and that Jesus Christ is the Savior, the one and only Savior, when I realized that, Just like the second thief, I repented and I turned my heart towards God. See, the realization of who Jesus Christ was finally clicked in the second thief's heart. He may not have um, understood everything about Jesus, but he knew that Jesus was innocent and that he was a king of another kingdom. Look at verse number 40. uh, See here. Verse number 40. But the other answering rebuked him. So, you know, you got to think here. There's the three in the cross here. The one is, is making fun of, of Jesus, you know, trying to, to make him prove himself to him. And the other one is saying to the other thief, don't you fear God? Look, we're, we're <laughs> you're in the same condemnation. Uh, and he realized, you know what? We're here because we deserve it. You know, I... We're on this cross because we did something that we shouldn't have. We were found guilty. We broke the law. You know, we're, he wasn't making an excuse for himself. There's a lot of people who make excuses for themselves saying, you know what, I'm a pretty good person. You know, God will just kind of look aside that, that little sin that I might have. God, God won't be really serious about me when, uh, w- with my sin. You know, I, I've done enough good, I'll be able to get into heaven. But here he's saying, "Look, we we are on this cross because we deserve it." And look at verse number four, uh, forty-one. Still, he says, "For we receive the due reward of our deeds." But this man hath done nothing amiss. When he looked at Jesus, he said, "This this man is innocent. He didn't. He doesn't deserve to be on this cross. He is. He's. He shouldn't be here. And yet he's here with us." And look at verse number 42. And he said, Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. It's really interesting when you, when you look at his request. You see the repentance in his heart. And verse number 42, though, is very interesting. He said, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. There's one verse, or there's one word in here that most of the modern versions of the Bible don't have. They removed it. The one word that the King James has that the other modern versions don't have is Lord. The modern versions take out Lord. So, if you look here, try saying it without that word. He said unto Jesus, Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. There's a big difference when you finally realize that Jesus Christ is the Lord. That Jesus Christ is God, that he is the one who died for you. There's a big difference in that. And when you take out that one word, you take out the whole context of that whole verse. And so when this this thief, when he said, Lord, he knew that God, that Jesus was God in the flesh, that he was the Christ, he was the Messiah. He realized that Jesus Christ was the only way and his only hope. That's why he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He knew that he was king. He knew that he was uh, the king, the, the, the coming Messiah. But the interesting thing is, is that all of his last request was, was just to be remembered. Think about that. I mean, if 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 God was beside you and you and you requested one thing before you died, what would it be? You know, if you know, here he's he's crucified with Christ. He could have said. Lord, would, would, you, would you get me down? Would you, you know, uh, allow me not to die today? Uh, would you protect my family? Would you protect somebody? Would you, would you help somebody? He, had, he, could have, he could have gave any kind of request that he had. But all he asked was, would he just remember me? Just remember him. Think of him when you enter that, that glorious kingdom that you're going to have. See, he knew he deserved this punishment, that it was a consequence of his sin, and he didn't ask to get away from it. You know, there's a lot of people who try to to get away from the consequences of their sins, but we can't. Or sometimes we ask God, God, you know, I know I broke your law, I know I broke uh, your word, but don't let me suffer those consequences. He didn't ask that. He knew and he realized that he was guilty and that he was going to die and that he deserved to die. You know what? We all deserve death. We all deserve hell. But yet God is so gracious to us. And look at what Jesus' response is. Verse number 43, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Did he rebuke the thief for the quest of asking him that? You know, could you imagine? Jesus said, no, no, you're You're wicked. You're, you've done some evil things in your life. No, I'm not going to even think about you when, when, when you die. Did he tell the thief that he was not worthy enough for his request to be granted? You know, did, did the thief uh, uh, serve the, all of his life you know, a faithful man? No, he did not. No, but instead he told him that the thief would be with him in paradise. Now the paradise that Jesus is talking about was not the heaven that we think about at that moment. See, Jesus was not going to heaven uh, officially for another 43 days after his death. So he cannot be talking about the heaven that we know of. But before Christ's death, paradise was also called Abraham's bosom. It was located within the earth and across from hell. Luke chapter 16 deals a lot more in depth with that and shows you, uh, where uh, paradise was once at. It uh, talks about the, the rich man and Lazarus. So Jesus reveals where all this was in Luke chapter 16. The wicked and unbelievers went to hell, and those who were righteous and faithful went to paradise or Abraham's bosom. When Jesus died, he did not go immediately to heaven. He went into the heart of the earth, to paradise, and abode there with the Old Testament saints until the resurrection. He did not go to hell. There's some people that believe that Jesus died and he went to hell for three days. Uh, that would be against scripture because scripture says that he would not suffer any kind. Um, oh, what's the word? Just jumped out or just left my mind. Not punishment. What was it? Torment. Corruption. There we go. That he wouldn't have any any of that, and um, and so for him to to say that Jesus went to hell for three days is against scripture. Um, those who had been waiting in faith in paradise were led out to heaven by Jesus after His resurrection. Uh, and after the resurrection, paradise was then moved to heaven. The area for the, old, the, the righteous Old Testament saints was emptied out, and now believers go directly to heaven above. And um, so Paul stated that all believers now go to heaven when they die. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says that to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. There's no soul sleep. There's no limbo, there's no purgatory for a person when they die. It is either heaven or hell and no other option. Paradise has been moved and is now in heaven, not in the earth. So in summary, the thief died and he went to paradise that was in the earth and then went to heaven with the rest of the Old Testament saints and and Jesus resurrected and brought them there. So how does this apply to us? Oh, got to get it. How does this apply to us? You know, there's a reason why I believe that God did not reveal their names. First of all, I believe it's because it was withheld for our sake. Withheld for our sake. Because both men represent all of mankind in their responses in the face of death. The one refuses to repent. He does not see the wickedness of his sin or realize just who Jesus Christ truly is. The other one realizes that they have sinned and that Jesus Christ is the only hope for salvation and they put their complete faith in His Word. And that's the same today. Every single person fits in that category of how they view Christ. Either one believes that He isn't the God, He isn't the Savior, that He isn't, Uh, the one that they need to trust. And instead they mock, they revile, they make fun of, they want nothing to do with God. And one day they're going to die and they're going to go straight to hell. The other one had a change of heart though. Even though he said some pretty nasty and wicked things to Christ, he realized he was wrong. He realized that he deserved his punishment. He realized that he deserved his death. And yet he knew that Jesus Christ was his only hope. And so he repented of what he had done and he asked Jesus Christ to have mercy on him, to have uh, grace on him. And that's what what you and I have done. Those who who are born-again Christians in this room, you had to come to that point. You had to come to that point and realize Jesus Christ died on that cross because he loved you so much and that he was the only way For salvation. See, that day both thieves died on their crosses and they began their eternity. Turn with me to John chapter 19. John chapter 19, verse number 31. The Jews therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken, and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and brake the legs of the first, and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they brake not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he saw that it bare, and, and he that saw it bear record, and his record is true. And he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done, that the scripture should be fulfilled: a bone of him shall not be broken. And again another scripture saith, They shall look on him whom they have pierced. So these men died that day. They didn't get off the cross. They died. Their eternity began that day. One, sadly, is probably still in hell to this day. Burning in torment. No peace. No absence of suffering. He's probably for the last 2,000 years, wishes He would have made a different choice on that cross. Wishes that He would have realized just how wrong he was when he, when he was mocking and he was reviling Christ, seeing that he, he saw God in the flesh, face to face, right next to him. And that's going to haunt him for the rest of his life as he is in torment all of eternity. And yet the other man died and he went to, that, he went to paradise and he is in heaven today. I'm sure he's thankful that he made the right choice that day because he didn't have another day to make a choice. His life was coming to an end and he knew it. Sadly, we don't have sometimes those options of being able to say, oh, I'll put it off for another day because we have no idea when our life will end. We have no idea when we'll breathe our last breath. You know, God forbid someone could get in a car wreck. Or you know, maybe you have a heart attack. Something could happen physically and they'd be gone just like that. See, this man knew he was going to die and he made the right decision. And I ask you this morning, if you're like this, uh, this thief that, you know what, uh, you, don't, you don't know if you're saved. You don't know if you're a born-again Christian. You don't know if heaven is where you're going to go when you die. Don't be like this other this other thief. You know, saying, well, I've got time to make a decision. I've got time to look into all the facts. i got time to to figure it all out before I make that decision. You don't. You don't know how much time you've got. And it could be too late before you make that decision to trust Christ. Mm-hmm. See, this thief that, that died and he went to, to paradise, he made the right decision. He knew that his only hope was Christ. And when Jesus... Um, the thief that was that was that, that made the right decision, the neat thing is is that forgiveness the, that he was unable to do anything to earn it. That's the big thing. See, there's a lot of people who think, well, I've got to somehow earn God's forgiveness. I've got to somehow earn uh, um, to be able to go to heaven I've, I've, I've got to do things myself. I've got to try and be the best I can be down here in order to get into heaven. It's not the way it works. You see, the thief who had faith, he was was neither baptized, he he didn't partake of any of the Lord's Supper, and he wasn't able to do any of the sacraments. And yet God still said, you're going to be with me in paradise. This thief couldn't do anything to to earn his way into heaven. All he did was he repented of what he had done, of his sin, and called upon Christ to save him See, this is hard to accept for those who add requirements to be saved or busy themselves to earn their way to salvation in a home in heaven. It doesn't work that way. See, Jesus was showing that salvation was available to even those who did not deserve it. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's probably one of the greatest verses in the Bible, besides John 3.16. That God loved you and I so much, even when we were wicked, even when we were doing things that God would, would have made God sick, would have, would have hurt God, the things that we have maybe have said to Him, the, the, the thoughts that we thought about, the, the, the things that we have done in our past, and yet even still, God loved you so much. That when we called out to Him, He forgave you. And He forgave you completely. Not just a little bit, but when you trusted Christ as your Savior, all of your sin was forgiven. Everything was forgiven. Your past, God says, you, you, your past is done away with. You've now become a new creature. I'm paraphrasing it. But. And that is the realization. When this thief, when he repented of his sin and he called out to God, God made him a new creature that day. Made him in just a few hours, but in all of eternity, he was going to spend with Christ. The thief did not deserve God's grace and for his sin to be forgiven. I mean, he said some pretty wicked things to Christ. Yet Jesus saw his heart that he knew that he deserved the consequences of his actions and he granted the thieves' humble request. You see, Jesus showed that salvation was completely by faith and not by works of righteousness. Turn with me if you would, to Ephesians chapter 2, in verse number 8 and 9. That's why Scripture says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, we can't earn salvation. The Bible says it is a gift. And when somebody gives you a gift, you don't earn it. It's often because the person wants to be a blessing to you. You know, when when you have your birthday or or someone just wants to be a a blessing to you and they, they give you that gift. But here's the thing. That gift does not become yours until you receive it. That's the big thing. See, God has purchased salvation at great cost to Himself. And it's always the cost of the giver of the gift, isn't it? Not the one who receives it. It always costs the giver. And so Jesus purchased salvation with His blood on that cross, and He offers it to every person freely. It doesn't matter their past. It doesn't matter what has happened and what you've, the choices that you've made in the past. What matters is now, whether or not you have trusted Christ as your Savior. And He offers that gift out every opportunity. He says, "Just trust Me. Trust Christ. Turn turn away from that your lifestyle of sin and." And and turn towards me and and live a, a a good life, become a born again Christian. Because can you imagine if we all got to heaven, we start talking around and say, so how'd you get here? You know, we say, oh yeah, well I I um I built an orphanage, you know that's a good thing, isn't it? You know these kids need they need help, an orphanage is a good thing, you know. But maybe you say, well how'd you get to heaven here? Oh, I I I build a hospital, you know, take care of the sick people, or, you know, and maybe ask another person. So how'd you get here? Oh, I gave two hundred or two million euros to charity, you know. That's that's how I got here. There'd be so many different levels, and and we would kind of we'd be boasting, wouldn't we? Saying, well, look look at what I did, you know. This is this is how I got here, you know. But here's the thing, that's not how we can get salvation. Because the only, time, the only thing you're going to be able to say when someone says, man, I didn't expect you to be here. How would you get here? <laughs> it's all because of Christ. It's all because of what He did for me in my life. I didn't realize that I needed Him until maybe a certain point in my life but I decided to trust Him as my Savior. And I'm here today. I didn't think I'd make the journey, but God was so good to me and He saved me because I put my faith in Him. That's the answer. There's nothing you can do on this earth to be able to merit and to be able to get into heaven. It's only what Jesus Christ done on that cross. And I ask you this morning, if you're not, if you're not sure that you're saved, don't leave today without knowing for sure you're on your way to heaven. Because you might not have another opportunity. In conclusion this, this morning, when the thieves were first crucified, they mocked Jesus. But the one on the on, had a change of heart. And sadly, it is often when people are looking death in the face that they realize how wrong they were about their viewpoints of God and the value of life. Perhaps this is the case why one of the thieves decided to repent of what they were saying and ask forgiveness from Christ. See, Jesus was showing us that salvation was available to even those who did not deserve it. He showed that salvation was completely by faith and not works of righteousness. And that God may have kept their names withheld because both men represent all of mankind in their responses in the face of death. The one thief refused to repent. did not see his wickedness of their sin or realized just who Jesus Christ truly is. Yet the other one realized that they sinned and that Jesus Christ is the only hope for salvation and they put their complete faith in His Word. You see, we've all broken God's laws. Not a person here has not broken the Ten Commandments. We've all broken them at least one time. And the Bible says that if we broke one commandment, we're guilty of them all, of all the laws of God, not just the Ten. We all deserve the wrath of God and the punishment for our sins because we have disobeyed and we have broken God's laws. But can I ask you this morning, which of the two thieves are you? Have you been born again? Or are you like that other thief and said, You know what? Eh, I don't know about I don't know about this Jesus Christ. You know, I've heard a lot about what people have said about him, but eh, I don't know if I believe yet. The one thief lost time and ran out of time to make the choice. And he's in hell today. Let's go ahead and bow in a word of prayer. Just for a moment, we'll have our invitation song afterwards. Father, I I do ask, Lord, that you would speak to hearts this morning. God, I don't know the salvation or testimonies of every person in this room. I know some. But Lord, there may be someone here that doesn't know you as their Savior. They've tried to live a good life. They've tried to, 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 to not... Uh, commit crimes, not to do things bad because they think that that, uh, if they try to be good, then that will get them to heaven. Lord, that's not the case. There's only one way to heaven. It's only through Jesus Christ. That is by receiving You as their Savior. Father, I just ask that You would speak to hearts this morning. I just ask that You touched hearts this morning. That they'd realize just how much they need You both those who are born again and those who are lost. Lord, I'm thankful that you do love me. I'm thankful that you have died for me and that you didn't stay dead, that you rose from the grave, proving that you had victory over death completely. And Lord, I just ask that if there's someone here that doesn't know, that they would trust you, Lord. They would come up to me or, or another, uh, someone who could show them through the Scriptures how they can be saved. It's not too late. But I I fear that uh, maybe they'll walk out these doors and something might tragic happen to them and they would die and go to hell. I don't want that after hearing this message. Lord, they've been warned. And I ask that they would take the warning seriously because it is only because of Christ that we are saved. And I just ask that you would touch hearts, Lord. Father, we do love you. And I just pray and I hope that we see the great burden of why this world needs to know Christ. Because if they don't, they're going to go to hell, Lord, just like that thief. And I just ask that you would just help us to have a a greater awareness of the need for uh, people to get saved. And uh, again, thank you for saving my soul, Lord, and for those that I know who have trusted you as their Savior. We do thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.